and I should have cleaned up a little bit more, but it's all good. Mr. Ivan, thank you for being here. Boop, 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 boop. Wait, oh, wait. Yes, Ivan uh, is in the house, and we got the sound. Guys, relax, relax, relax. Yeah. Representing South Africa? True. South Africa. But the accent? Dutch. Dutch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. First language is Afrikaans. Yeah. And of course, growing up, I thought that the whole world only speaks Afrikaans. Really? Yeah. That's how you grew up? Uh, yes. Because it's all you know. Correct. Yes. And, and when did you realize? Um, I think when I was like 14, 15. That's Because it's so a small farming community. Everything is in Afrikaans. Of course, I knew that the English language existed. But being like in the middle of South Africa, you, how can I say, you're, you're, you're pretty secluded from bigger things. Correct. Yeah. So Afrikaans, I still have friends who basically speak Afrikaans and that's it. And the moment they have to switch to English, it's not that they are stupid. It's just there's no way that they can really um, just carry on with the conversation. You right. know, it's everything is just yes, no, uh, that's beautiful, limited. whatever. Very limited, yes. Yeah, I, my, 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 my weird thing when I was a t younger yeah. that, that I thought was, I thought the world, this is so stupid, I thought the world was black and white. Because I watched TV and everything uh, was black and uh, white. I so I think it. I was like 10 or 11 years old and I asked my mom, I go, Mommy, when, when did the world turn into color? And my mm. brother, my older brother, he's like, you're so stupid. Like, <laughs> those are just the cameras. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. But, okay. But, but yeah, my, exactly. It was like, oh, <laughs> that's yes. interesting. But but if you were growing up watching I Love Lucy and, you know, old shows like that, mm. like you really think that was, you know, and then your mom's like, oh, that was like 20 years ago, 40 years ago. And you're like, whoa, that's so I crazy. Think, wow. uh, talking about old shows, all our shows was dubbed. Oh, so that's, that's right. even like Alf or Alf, Alf the little the alien. alien dude. Yeah, that was purely in Afrikaans. And only when I came to the <laughs> States, I saw that it is actually a he speaks American English. show. He speaks English. Correct. Like that's in my head, I never made the correlation between because you're just so used to what you're fed. That's what you know. And that becomes your reality and your norm. And then only later on, you figure things out, you know. That, that, that's so wild. Yeah. That, that, that goes to show you uh, how you're raised and what you're around. And yep. people don't get that. People, it's very easy for people to judge from the outside and say, hey, man, how come you're not doing stuff differently? And how come yeah. you're not uh, working harder or, or whatever the case is? But there's a saying, I forgot who said it. If you were born and raised the same way that person was, you would yeah. do the exact same thing. Right. And people say, not me. No, no, you're not listening. <laughs> if you yeah. were born and raised the same way, you don't know any different. Yep. You know, so that's where the circumstances, which brings me to another point. Mm. You were talking about my guest and, and how open they are. Oh, yes. And, and it's interesting because I, I really started thinking about that. And I started thinking about what's the link of, of all my guests? You know, the successful ones, the ones doing marketing or, you know, journalists or attorneys, detectives. And one thing I bring up because I didn't have a father when I grew up. Mm. And it's interesting. 99.5, I think maybe one person said they didn't have a father. But everybody had that father figure. And it, it, it's just another, <coughs> I know it's already confirmed, but it was just so far in my studies, it's yes. like, dude, it's 99.5. You have that father figure in your life. Yeah. You're going to do so much better. So it's very interesting that you should mention that because my father passed away when I was 12. 
and I'm the youngest of three boys and of course the favorite but <laughs> of course yeah and um, hold on that's that's this one oh. <laughs> I like the orange button you're gonna see me <laughs> reaching oh, over do. eventually please do um but I was very fortunate that like a year or so after he passed away um, my barefoot water skiing coach who also had his um boat shop like one town further we were on our way to the dentist because our town doesn't have a dentist and on the way back my mom just stopped and we looked at some skiing equipment and by the time we walked out she says oh yeah he'll see you on the weekend and i was like what and basically uh meaning uncle Kurs, uh took me in with his family so every weekend i would be with his family on the river uh grew up next to the val river and for about yeah, five years, every weekend I'll do boat shows with him and just that was my first real father figure. Yeah. And of course he turned out to be the a very wise, very uh, humble, very like um if you wanted to ski you had to clean the boat. Right. You know, so there was a lot of responsibility uh being with him and his family. But he was my first real father figure and he's still in my life today. And then when I got married, um, my wife at the time, Taryn, her dad uh, baptized us, and he became my next father figure. Like there's three people when I mean when I see them, I kiss them by saying hello. One is my brother, and then those two, meaning Jamie, my ex-wife's dad, and Umkwes. So I've been oof, very fortunate to have an, an amazing and guidance. Yeah, and I think if you've got that in your life, it's you so important. Yeah, because it's so important because it's so easy to get lost. Dude, I used to say things like, men are just scared boys, kind of mindset. Yeah. And if you've got a figure in your life that, especially as you become older, like I'm turning 44 in a couple of days, you. Happy birthday. Hey, thank you very much. Um, you, you share so much more with them. And sometimes, of course, you want to hear, sometimes you really want the wisdom. Sometimes you want to pat on the back, and sometimes you want to be told, uh-uh. Yeah. And it's the uh-uhs that is the most important part of it. Because, of course, our own ambition and our ego and that kind of stuff makes us move forward as men. But having a father figure, oof, it's so important. It's funny because that uh-uh, I've I've mentioned this to, to people, but the... The word no is more powerful than a yes. Yeah. And people respect the no. Mm. Because if you're the yes guy, if you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Can you do th- Yeah, yeah. Can you help me? Yeah, yeah. People stop appreciating it. Yep. People don't respect it. When you say no, they might be like, what a dick, you know? That's but, it. oh, he's got responsibility. Or he has to do, hey, can you help me move? No. Yeah, oh. there's pure wisdom behind <laughs> the no. Yeah, there's you know, wisdom. Why do you want to bump your head if I'm telling you that it's not going to go as you want it to? And you don't need to know all of it, but if there's respect and love, then you just take it. Then yeah. So yeah. So I uh, kind of steered the conversation. No, no. Th- this is way this is what my important whole that men speak or just talk or be. I'd like to say normal. You know, not just normal. have the bravados of life. Well, y- here's another thing. The reason I love doing this, it's it's it's. I'm almost at 130 episodes. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. The reason I love this is how often do you get to 
talk to somebody from another part of the world mm-hmm. in another industry, ask them, can you please turn off your phone and and have this intricate conversation? And and I don't know, this this might end on strip clubs. I don't know. It might end on the moon. Yeah. But there's going to be some knowledge, there's going to be some growth or some information of of that we want to talk about, that we want to get course. out there. And, yes. and people are going to appreciate. You know, a lot of people are just sitting in their car and they just want that company and hearing that information of so-and-so. You know what I mean? Yeah, or some, uh, something that you can relate to. Right. That's, that's a very important thing. Also, we were talking a little bit about motorcycle helmets just before we pressed play. And um, it's the love for a specific hobby that also pulls you together. Right. But you can be riding, but the moment you stop, this kind of conversation continues. Right. And that's then what builds the, the bond. But, e- but even that, that that's, that's the number one reason for motorcycling, right? Yeah. But even that's limited. Because how often do people actually ride? Like, I try to ride at least once a week. But th- that's not even enough. No. You know, that's not even enough. And, and that's me. Yeah. Now, how often do people buy a motorcycle and they don't even ride it and they take it out maybe, you know, you know they put 1,000 miles on it a year. That's a lot of people. So people are still too busy. So they buy it for that purpose, but don't yeah. get to execute it. They do. You know, which, which, is, which is another thing. Yeah. But m- motorcycles, I mean, have you been to the bike shed? Of course. Okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I just did a podcast with Dutch again. He was on before. I went <laughs> we went to do a podcast. Yes. I, I'm going to publish it next week. But I went to do a podcast of his uh, new updates and new programs, and it's his second year, yes. and the, I'm a member there. And have you got your ring? Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, I, I'm not wearing it, but yeah. Are you a member? <laughs> no. Yeah. But when it opened up originally, I went for the full tour. Because, yeah. of course, like the upstairs area of the private bar, and I was thinking, oof, that's where you rub shoulders with fellow enthusiasts. Absolutely. Get to be invited places and just be part of a, 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 a community. community at the end of the day. A yeah. community. And it's a great community. Uh, I became a member the day they opened, and nice. ever since then, some of my best friends right now are from the bike shed, yes. and they have events every weekend. They have, I think next week they're doing a casino night where they're yes. going to have dinner and games, and it's just it's just a cool spot. Yeah. But I went to talk to Dutch, and I wanted to get the update of how's business, how's L.A. compared to London, uh, because London's problems are different than L.A.'s problems, yep. you know, and the economy here is, you know, so... That's what we went for. Let me tell you, we started talking for two hours. We did not talk about bike shed. <laughs> yes. We talked about vegans, men's health, yep. exercising, uh, AI, artificial intelligence. Uh, you know, we, we went all over the place. It, yes. it was pretty wild. But it's. I was recapping and listening to it. I go, yep. what an intricate conversation. Yeah. You know, it's 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 deep. And then again, when would I ever get to sit down with the owner of Bike Shed and just and have that, yeah. And have all the employees do not go in this room. Yes. They're ha- they're having a conversation. Yes. When would I have Ivan here from South Africa uh. thinking that the world speaks one language <laughs> <laughs> and Alf doesn't speak English. <laughs> That's you know, it. Yeah. It, it happens here. That's where yeah. it happens. What motorcycle? We'll jump real quick on the motorcycle topic since you mentioned it up. So uh, this is my second Harley. Um, when I grew up, my eldest brother had a, a couple of motorbikes. But then the one that uh, got me into riding was a Kawasaki, and it was a Thumper, a 500cc. 
So from the age of like 14 till 18, I had full access to that, and I just loved turning the throttle. Yeah. And I'm going to check the camera angle real quick. Go ahead. Oh, oh, oh. And then it was a whole Vespa era. Like eventually I owned like seven different Vespas. And my one before I came to the States, I had a KTM 530, which nice was again bike. just a full-on thumper. Yeah, I yeah. loved riding that Super thing. fun. Um, she tried to beat me to death once. Like that's why my fingertips off, broke my shoulder. Oh just didn't make God. a jump. Uh, very uh, hard moment. But I'm fine. But then coming to the States, I always knew I would have a bike. So, of course, I decided, let's go the Harley route. Uh, wanted The American bike. dream. Uh, of course. Uh, f- a little 48. That's what I really wanted to customize that. Went into the dealership at Huntington for that bike. So, oof, it looks a bit weird. Wasn't too sure what I should get, how much time I will have. And, of course, it's like the owner of the... My mother and both my brothers are redheads. So the owner of the store, Pepper, he's a redhead, nice big guy. Yeah. So I decided, mm, I like redheads, you know, I'll go with what this guy tells me. So I ended up walking out of an iron, rode the iron for like five weeks. And of course, I'm not a tall guy, but I just couldn't get, Yeah. I'm flat out all the time kind of thing. Not that I'm a speed guy, but it's, it's very, um, it's very entry level kind of thing. Took it back and immediately got the lowrider egg. So you had purchased it and you traded it in. Correct. That that's by the way, ninety five percent of the people that get that bike. Within three to six months, they're like, "Oh my god!" They outgrow it so quick. They're like, uh. "Yeah, it's a it's a little commuter bar hopper kind of thing." And now yeah. I can do distance. I can just ride with the people that I ride with and just have amazing days. Yeah, added the bags, added the pegs, added the pegs, you know, customized it to fit my position better and I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's a great bike. It's a great like that's that's a Dynalo rider there. Ah, it's a, yeah, it's yeah, a great yeah. bike. Yeah, I like What year did you get? 21. Okay, so you have the the soft tail suspension with the monoshock. Yes, and that was just recalled. Which is awesome. And they gave me a new nut. I don't know what that whole story was about, but I got a letter, took it in, smoked a cigar, got the bike back. I was like, is that it? Yes. Oh, it's so smooth. So uh, Harley-Davidson rider and Mm. cigar smoker. That's how how we're sitting here, right? Correct. Yes. You you through Perry. Thank you, Perry. Yeah, thank you, Perry. Also a cigar lounge. Like, believe it or not, two of my best friends here in Los Angeles I met at a cigar lounge. Because it's kind of like this, where it doesn't matter what walk of life, I know this is a repetitive kind of thing, but you sit and you just have stone-cold sober conversations for as long as the cigar is lit. Right. So you have a conversation now for two hours, a week later, a month later, and eventually you start exchanging numbers and thinking, wow, I spend more time with this person than I ha- do with other friends. Right. And then it becomes cigar dates and, you know, that kind of vibe, and that's how it grows. So do you smoke cigars? Yeah. I'm actually trying to recover some. I, I, I had a What does that mean? I had a box of cigars. <laughs> Look, this is terrible. Uh-oh. Let's see. So before I open this up, uh. 
I bought this. I bought the cigar. I bought the humidor. It's quite impressive. I like the. I haven't seen it like that. Right. What's the HF. Uh, I'll show you. Ah. So I bought this in Cuba. I was in Havana, Whew. and when I bought it, I bought Cuban cigars, huh? and I packed it up, and then I had a move, and when I had the move, it was left in storage for four years, five years, in a cold storage in a dark place. Yeah. So now I bought these. Are you now Vida packing it? Now I'm trying to revive them. Yeah. With these uh, guys. Yeah, the Bovida packs. Exactly. Bovida. Thank you, Bovida. So I don't know how much hope. I'm probably on the third week. I probably have to put some packets now. Yes. I'm. Oh, uh, yeah. Stack them in the back there. Super yeah. dry. Actually, this one's not as bad as the other ones. The other ones start crystallizing. There's some impressive cigars over here. The part of this is quite a cigar. And I was going to put more of them, but somebody says do it one one at a time because uh, otherwise the humidity will be on the outside and it'll be dry in the middle. So uh, they said to like, it takes it takes like two months or something like that. You can be very glad that there's none of the beetles and stuff that's in here. You know? Yeah, well, what's the grade? What do you, you think they're, they're saveable? I think so. This has got a lot of flavor still. I'm Sometimes the, all the oil kind of comes out and then it's just too dry. Yeah, no, I think you'll still get a good smoke out of it. So I'm going to continue this process for a few more weeks, and it's basically yes. just put one in every week, swap yep. it out, and then I think by week four, I'll start putting two of them. Oh, uh, yes. And, and see. I mean, they they weren't stored horribly. No, but they still seem pretty cool because I haven't burst open or anything. Yeah, yeah. so you've got very well-aged cigars over here. And then HF, does it say what HF is? No, there's a little pouch in here, but... That's for the key. Uh, Check out the key. It's pretty cool. I forgot what HF, but it was like a... I think it's from Spain. Oh. But it's very exciting. I bought it from Cuba. I with like Cuban it. cigars. The, the, the lacquer finish is quite something, which reminds me I bought you a cigar. Oh, no, you did Being a, a Cuban... I'm not the best in Cubans, but this one has got a bit of a story behind it. It comes from Costa Rica. Okay. There you go. This is beautiful. So, I like flavor mm. in my cigars. And oh that is a Cuban that actually has got the flavors. You're going to enjoy that one. Well, hopefully we smoke it together. Hopefully Oy. we should meet up with Perry. Uh, that, oh, well, that would be amazing. One of two things. Uh, usually we do a ride on Sunday. I got a good group of gentlemen that are just yes. fabulous. Yes. Uh, you know, and maybe if you're available, meet up with us. We usually meet up at the bike shed. Yep. Because of children and everything, we don't yes. spend a whole day riding. No, it makes sense. Yeah, we go to the bike shed, and then we'll do like Angelus Crest, or we'll just That's go it. to the PCH and get a lobster sandwich, and then go home. That's you it, know? yeah. So uh, usually we try to get home by 1, but we meet around 9 in the morning, mm. 9 or 10, get breakfast, maybe sense. later smoke a cigar. Afterwards, we can meet up with Perry. Oh, definitely. What do you think? Yeah, I've got my local where he goes to in Montreux, Cigar Empire. Really and that's, we've got our own little dedicated room at the back. And that's, that's where he sent you the photograph, Al. Oh, that's where you yeah. did Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's, uh, we'll get Perry. Throw it in your box over here. Your let's do it. There you you know what they'll damage it? Oh, no. Definitely not. You know what? I've never done this in my life. But I want to try, try something real quick. 
I want to try something real quick. Perry, can you hear us? Yeah, now I can hear. My, my phone was going crazy. I don't know why. Okay, welcome to the Ride Boundless Podcast. We have Perry on the phone. Yeah. We're just confirming. We were just talking about cigars, and we're wondering what's your schedule Sunday afternoon so we can smoke cigars and meet up. I'm open anytime. <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it, ladies and That's gentlemen. That's it. That's Perry, it's Ivan. I finally made it to the show. Oh, what's going on, Ivan, man? My, my, my favorite African. You see? <laughs> I told you this. <laughs> yeah, you were saying that ninja, right? That's it. Your favorite yeah, you ninja? African ninja. Yep. And, and Perry's been a guest on the podcast before. Unfortunately, I did not publish that one. Oh, um, they, we, we got too drunk and we kept putting the bottle in front of the camera. So, but, oh yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no. So Sunday, Sunday, we're thinking about, Ivan and I are thinking about going for a quick ride in the morning and then in the afternoon, smoke a cigar with you. He oh, brought yeah, yeah. Get, he, hit me up. It'll be perfect. Awesome. We will do that. We will keep you posted. Perry, thank you for calling back and being on the show until next time. See you yeah. this weekend. Yeah. See you on Sunday, Pay. You've committed. Yeah, now you have to arrive. Otherwise, we're going to yeah. say, you know what? That one guy who let it catfish the water, ghosted. Ghosted us. Yeah, sounds good. I do not write the label in yeah. a motorcycle. So. Yeah, that too will come your direction. Yeah. Actually, I've got a seat on the back. Should Oh, yeah. yeah. Very good. Like, no, no, no. I don't sit in the back. Come on. <laughs> what, you sit in the front? What is going like, on? Wow, that's <laughs> no, only the second no, date. No, I ride my old bike, man. Very. <laughs> All right, brother. Have a great day. I'll give you a call later on. All right, thanks. All right, have fun. Thank okay, you. Bye, Pat. Bye. bye. Mm. All right, that was cool. Now huh? you see. Now um, I'm going to have to do more of that. that yeah. that's, that's how we get this going. That's okay. it. Phone is on silent. Let's talk about, we talked about cigars. We made yes. plans. We have motorcycles. We talked about wisdom and father figures. Let's talk about your career. You have a career hmm. and you make Super Bowl commercials. What's that about? That's part of it, definitely. That's, again, another thing that I never really thought was an option when I started out. Or let me rephrase that it would escalate into becoming my new norm. Um, Yes, I've been now four years in the States, and I think I've been part of like nine Super Bowl commercials. Wow. Yeah. Only? <laughs> I've been here four years. Yeah, yeah. I got here yesterday, and I did nine uh, Super yeah, Bowl commercials. It's, it's, How does that work? Explain yourself. Sure. Where should I start? Do you want to know the road leading up to like no, where no. I'm now? Because it's been a like let, a twenty year journey, or just let's let's start off with what brought you to America, and then how that developed. Oh, so in South Africa, I've or let me start by I've only worked in the film industry. Okay, I've never done any other job professionally, so it's not as if I did something and then like decided I'm going to do film. I basically finished my studies and started at the bottom in the, in the industry and then worked my way like to the top. Yeah. And then my last six years in South Africa was the, the years where I was an art director and kind of like in a, everything is freelance, but I was kind of like in-house at one of the biggest uh, production houses in Cape Town. Right. And in summer, we do commercials. And then in winter, it, it turns to series and movies because our rainy season is in winter and then you don't have the 
landscape. 14 hour sunny days to be shooting commercials. Right. So I've been fortunate enough with my ex-wife Taryn to be building a little bit of a business out of the industry. She's an exceptional woman when it comes to business, owned a restaurant, very famous restaurant in Cape Town. Business oriented. Very much so. And we ended up facilitating the industry by having tools, a panel van, two eight-ton trucks. At one stage, I had an office. Wow. And um, Heavy-duty equipment. Yeah, and it was, it was a lot to manage at the time, but also whatever it takes to make the job easier. And while doing commercials, what happens is because in South Africa, we're service-orientated. So, you know, the brand comes there, it is a fixed uh, budget. We are a fairly cheap crew in relation to uh, what it is over here, meaning here I am unionized and there it was all non-union work. I also didn't even know that there was this thing as unionized work. Right. But in South Africa, um, I did a feature. After the fact, the producer just said, so I don't make any money on this thing. Um, No one is getting paid. So for me, it was a double a hard knock by offering, you know, all the equipment and the trucks and everything. And And then I was like, how do you recover from this? That's a bit tough. Right. Then fast forward by like five, six months, I did another commercial and it was almost the same kind of scenario where after the fact, you have to explain the reasons why you feel you need to get paid kind of thing. And that just broke the camel's back because um, there's always been two trails of thought back in South Africa. There was the pioneers who just did whatever needed to be done. So if you were art department related, they will have their own prop houses and stuff. But by the time I started, they were a little bit uh, not so much in tune with the current hip and happeningness of, let's say, commercials. A lot of them went to go and hide more in series and, and, and features. So it was very difficult to get talking about role models. Somebody who was just ethically and morally on par. Right. So after a couple of these ticks against me and me trying to be the best that I can be, um, I knew that my time was up. And what led to that as well as I did a feature with uh, Jeff Mann, who did um, what he did um, Transformers and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Jeff Mann. Jace Man. J-E-F-F. Jeff Man. Yeah, he's a production designer. So he's done like huge things. The right. Secret Life of Walter Mitty and um, how did Tropical you do, Thunder. How did, how did you do Tropical Thunder? So great. Um, Transformers, great. Yeah. H- how did you meet him? He came to South Africa and did a, a feature there as the production designer. So I decorated for him. And then towards the end of the show... Uh, because he was far from his family and stuff, he would spend a lot of time with me. And towards the end of the show, uh, he said to me, can I take you out for dinner? And I said, of course. Like, that would be so cool. And at the dinner table, he said to me, Ivan, you're the only guy who was 100% transparent with me in this whole process. 
Right. Because what happens is sometimes there's a lot of requests, like can we have 20 action vehicles on set, but actually there's only 12 available and nobody wants to say something or it doesn't fit in the budget, so only six arrives, you know, and ha, 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 it has to just work kind of thing. Yeah, instead of saying what's going to happen, they kind of just like, oh, he wants 20, here you go. Correct. Deal with it. Correct. Yeah. And you uh, were up front. With everything. Yeah. And then he said to me, come to Los Angeles. Come, please come see how we operate. You know, so um, that kind of planted a seed. Yeah. And then like a year or so prior to it, I did another uh, feature with Brian Buckley. And he owns Hungry Man Productions. And there's an office here. There's one in London. There's uh, all over the world. And with a production designer with the name of David Skinner. And we did the whole uh, movie, Pirates of Somalia, and it was a huge success. But even, like, David was the kind of guy who would be very um, positive about things. And he would work with the information that he's given kind of thing. But I didn't really have a lot of chats with him in the three years or so before I decided to come. Yeah. And then when I came here, yeah, of course, I had Jeff Mann on the list who originally planted the seed. And I set up a couple of meetings. And um, one of them was David. So I was here, I think, five days or whatever. And then I got hold of David and he said, well, I'm busy shooting a Verizon ad at Disney Ranch. I can come fetch you the morning. And that's in downtown LA uh, where he lives. And I was literally living... 300 yards from where he lives. So he fetched me, we went, I got to go see this big scale of how commercials Production. get done. Yeah. In South Africa, if you're the art director, you've got one props master, one PA, and like four uh, Nigerians who's literally carrying all the furniture and props around. That's your yeah. team. And here it is huge, the art department. You get your own coordinator. You get, like, it's almost like running a movie. So I just caught my jaw thinking, like, who's <laughs> paying like, for this? Yeah. How the hell is this even possible? Yeah. But in any case, by day two, David was like, so why are you really here? And I said, oh, David, things are a little bit running towards an end. Now I like saying things like, oh, I hit a glass ceiling or whatever. But there is also borderline desperation to try and wanting to grow. Right. So he said, it's fine, I will sign under DC Skinner Production Design any pro uh, paperwork that you bring my way. So you do the legwork and I'll sign. So I'm like, wow, okay. Wow. So I went back to South Africa with this like ripple in my step kind of thing, going like, oomph, I found somebody who's willing to... Like someone established, me. not someone. Exactly. Uh, 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 not anyone. <laughs> exactly. And um, it took me two years to finalize all the paperwork. And in that two years, it was quite a mission because I was busy training for a full Ironman, started a new relationship with, uh, which is now my ex-girlfriend, and at the same time trying to get myself out of the country. Now, very respectful, it is a third world country. So you don't just pick up the phone and say, cancel my phone line. Or right. I need to hand in my gun. Which paperwork do you fill in? And there's the emotional side. There's the, 
had to sell my house. I had to sell my trucks. And there's a specific time that all this can happen, and it can only happen once I've got the paperwork. Right. So when it's real. Yes. So six weeks before arriving here, I did challenge Raft, the full Ironman in Germany. So that also kind of borderline broke me because I would work six days a week on a feature film, train from 8 till 11 at night kind of thing, and just trying to maintain that. So it's a lot of vitamins. It's a lot of very healthy food. It's like burning the candle of both Lifestyle, ends, yeah. Which is one hell of a coping mechanism and also a very, um, how can I say, um, self-absorbing kind of thing, but it, it kept me focused. Right. I think sitting on an indoor trainer on a bicycle for hours and running treadmill, and it's a very rhythmical, you know, you swim in a straight line, you run in a straight line, you cycle in a straight line. It's, it's, it's a discipline. Oh, definitely. That's it. It's a discipline that you apply, and by developing it, it applies to other things. Oh, de- it does. That's very well said because working in freelance, when you do a project, you're focused on it. When I don't do a project, I have to keep that momentum up. Otherwise, you don't just want to be sucked into your couch and get a call to say, can you start at 3 o'clock this afternoon? And you're like, oh, that's going to take a lot of effort. So I've run these two <laughs> parallels <laughs> in my life. I'm just staying busy to the max, either uh, sport or call it endurance training, and then, of course, work. But uh, to get to your original question of how did I then finally get here, I got here, uh, sure, that was saying goodbye to my mom, saying goodbye to my girlfriend, selling my house, selling my trucks, basically leaving everything behind. Question, uh, kids? No. Okay. No. Um, The only thing that I... Other than in my household, meaning uh, furniture and stuff that I uh, sold, was my coffee machine. Because I used to have a training partner, a female. She's a urologist. And everywhere that we go, um, I would have to buy the coffee at the coffee stops. you know, And then it's a coffee and a pie and a whatever. So after four years of that, I said to her, you're not getting my coffee machine. You'll pay a half price for this thing. So she still has it. She's what kind happy. of coffee machine was it? Uh, what's the Italian? Um, the the Brivio? Bri- no, no, it starts with an L. Um, I'm stuck in Lerati now. Um, uh, Ilongi. Ilo- Ilongi? Okay. That's yeah, it. Yeah, they push the buttons. Yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> it crushes the beans <laughs> and you tap. and you know. Exactly. So that was my baby. And that's all meditation. It's all like... Oh, yeah. It becomes a big part of your life. Uh, the good old coffee. Yeah. And um, so... When I arrived here, oh, the day that I flew, uh, my ex-wife, she's still my best friend. Her and her husband, she's got two kids now. Cedric that was your husband. best friend? She's still my best friend. She stole your, wow. No, she didn't steal my oh. best friend. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> she is still my best friend. She's still your... Oh, 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 oh. I'm very glad I'm so that didn't we... get lost in translation. <laughs> it's like... Okay. Uh, I don't... Uh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. I, I, I would like to know what the, the comments would have been. She <laughs> stole my girl. What? Yeah, like... <laughs> She's still your best friend. Yeah, so... Two days before <laughs> I flew to America, she was like, you know what, Ivan... Um, you can have your coffee machine. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
fly business class. I said, why? She says, that's how you arrive in the United States. That's, that's right. how you set yourself up for life. Not that from now on I only fly business class, but it's the concept of you walking away from so much. Like I said to my mom and my ex-girlfriend, you know, in a day's time, I'm in a new country having to establish myself all over again. You guys are still going to the same store buying the same milk. Life goes on. You're like kind of heartbroken because I'm not around, but... Life moves on. I am on a whole different mission. So I have to kind of cut it off right there. So, of course, while sleeping in a business flight, that kind of cuts it off. But arriving at the airport with my bicycle, two bags, and a laptop, that's when I figured out, oh, shit's getting real. Reality sinks in. I I don't know. If it's going to (laughs) work. What am I doing? That's that's the thing. Yeah, reality sinks in. Dude, and if it doesn't work, do you know how difficult it is then to... Go back? And pick up... How do you just randomly rebuy a house or like rebuy trucks? About or it, yeah. Yeah. The relationships you can still rebuild. I'm talking about work, all of that. But it was pretty a, a sobering moment. Having said that, I got the opportunity to then PA on a job that David was doing uh, with Capital One and uh, they had Samuel L. Jackson there and uh, Ridley Scott was the director. Wow. Exactly. That's your first one. So I am standing Poor there. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been so hard with your luggage and bicycle. Do, do you know how good the craft the crafty is on these big productions? You know, yeah. it's not just a bowl of chips and peanuts. No, no it's, it's like, gourmet. Oh, there's a yeah. chef's that's chef's. <laughs> <laughs> that is chef. I used to take so many photographs of just the setups of that kind of stuff. But so. That first production, I was like, okay, I'm here. I got to see stuff. But my relationship with David was never a scenario of now you are my bread and butter. It's never been that. So I managed to meet another art director on that production who I spoke to a lot. His name's Simon Morgan. And he's like the best, most well-established art director there is in the commercial field here in Los Angeles, meaning Hollywood or in this uh, topography. And we spoke and I said to him, my background and all of that. And he says, you know what, Ivan, come with me onto the next project and come ask questions. Come, come PA for us, but now you'll have access to me. And I went like, whoa, dude. <sighs> One of those moments. Yeah. So, Robert, the thing is, if it's like somebody coming from India and saying, oh, they've done a commercial there or a feature film or whatever, you don't know that person's skill set. He could be a human sandbag for, you know what I mean? There's no way of correlating his skill set into what it's meant to be. It's not even, you're not even able to verify most people's skills that are from here, you know, let alone from another country, another culture, another... Correct. So there's another thing now that you mentioned, the verification of skill sets. That's where the whole union thing came in, which I also had to get my head around it because back in South Africa, you like I said, you start loading trucks and then you can, art department-wise, there's a couple of steps you can go to the top. And as you know, with most things in life, it's about experience that eventually gets you there. The more uh, you take on the the 
or you wait for the person above you to die. One of kind of those kind of right. steps. But or you kill them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> or you push them down the stairs. <laughs> jokes. Yeah, it's jokes. Where's your joke bastard? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what is it? Old roots, old roots die long or something? Oh, yeah, bad, bad roots last. It's, it's just a whole different path. But something. here in America, at least if you're a set dresser and you're under that specific union, that's, I'd like to say, the job that you do. Right. If you're a props master, you're in a different union, that is the job that you do. So, of course, I needed to be in the Art Directors Guild or the ADG, the local 800 union. But once again, now I'm standing shoulder to shoulder like someone like Simon Morgan, and I'm like, hmm, Mr. Jack of all trades, how do I even, like, I need to figure out what his job really is. Yeah. Then I need to figure out which tools he uses, like computer skills-wise, then how he operates verbally. You know, you can't just say, hey, you fool, move that. You have to say, what would it take for you guys to... To get this done. Diplomatic and right. never having to undermine anybody or anything. Basically on the... the which, 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 quick question. In, in South Africa, there is that hierarchy, right? Of like, this person you speak this way and then that place you speak that way. Correct. Okay. Yeah, because yes. it's a hierarchy, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, here you have to be more diplomatic. <coughs> and Very much so. So I then got to rub shoulders with Simon, PA'd on that job. Uh, spoke to the production designer on that specific job. She gave me very good tips, like I had to get a better website, you know, all those kind of things. And then fast forward by almost two years of me doing PA work, it was the only way to get to know people. There's a couple of targets you want to hit. You want to get to know the coordinators on the art department because they work for various production designers. And that hopefully is a way in. So yeah. if you assist them really good, then hopefully they'll take you on to the next one and you meet another production designer, another one. But I was unionized like three years ago. But like I said, it almost took two years for me to level up my skill set because also union-wise, now all of a the sudden there's a very high daily rate connected to your name. So you can't just be winging it at that time. At that budget, yeah. Exactly. And there's a lot of responsibility. A, a lot of eyes. Oof, it's and never a lot of talk. Definitely. Uh, another term that I learned while being here is called kicking the can down the road. I've never even heard of that term until I came here and you sit in meetings and nobody really takes responsibility. It doesn't matter, but a term kicking down the can down the, down road. the road. So in any case, I managed to, three years ago, do a, uh, who was it again? Um, not Dua Lipa. Uh, Doja Cat. Sorry, I almost forgot. Doja Cat did a Pepsi commercial. And then I assisted on it, but the production designer and the director didn't see eye to eye three days before the shoot start. Oh, no. So the production designer walked off the job. No. So they were like, now we need to replace the crew. I said, that's me. And I go, what? That was your window. Ah. They're like, 
no, the whole crew is loyal to the production designer, meaning the art department moves. I say, well, I'm technically a PA, so I carry a lot of knowledge because of my eyes, ears, and whatever. I'm staying. And then they like, as what? I said, as the art director. And like, how can that be? I said, because I'm unionized as an art director, I know enough to take this project on, which... I did, because then I could call in a lead man, a different dresser, a different props master, a new coordinator. Um, That was my first job. So I got five days at maximum, call it right, as an art director. And then I was like, oh, Oh Scheiser. Now it started. Scheiser. I cannot (laughs) now revert back. (laughs) I cannot revert back to just being the PA. Now I have to sell myself. Because you got a lot of eyes watching. Correct. And nobody really appreciated this PA to art director quick move, you know? I, I wonder, I'm, I'm, this is my random thought. Mm. I wonder if there was like two rich white men, well, whatever, two rich <laughs> men looking at you and they're like, oh, I bet you a dollar he can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, good luck. Here's a here's a million dollar, two yeah. million dollar project. Yeah, like, let's see how he pulls it out. This is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Which come to think it nowadays that that probably was the scenario. Probably. Yeah. And I started then doing art directing and now it's been, yeah, like two and a half years of being an art director. And of course... David and myself, we're always in contact, and I've done majority of my Super Bowl commercials with him. So he only, after a year or so of me art directing, said, hmm, come, let's see how we can mold you. And, 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 t- and talking again about, like, he's only 10 years older than me, but, I mean, he's got so much knowledge. So every project that I'm on, he just... Let me say it this way. In the past, I've had some issues with, let's say, my construction teams or whatever. You cannot sit them down after the fact for a, let's talk about the project, how we can better ourselves. They take it too personally. And if you say one thing wrong, oh. Emotional damage. Emotional (laughs) damage. That's a good one. Correct. Yeah. With David, (laughs) every project, during the project or after we have these lengthy conversations of how can I facilitate you better? How can we be in shorthand with what your vision is and how I can uh, facilitate it? What skill sets do I need to do? What do I need to understand differently? Um, it's like you got to be a therapist or a psychiatrist approaching everybody. Pretty much. And I'm fortunate enough to get that guidance from David to stay in a... Robert... I live in my own skin, and I'm a bachelor. So I cannot rest on my laurels where I go, oh, look at me, woohoo! No, I have to stay on top of things. And if you're in that 1%, 2%, 3% at the top, the staying, I'd like to say, sober-minded and the best version that you can be, I only have myself as a product. I am Ivan Fraser. That's... You know, I don't have a truck or the tools or an office or nothing anymore. It's only the experience and the you knowledge. You are the talent. Correct. So I have to 
better myself on each and every production. And then thank God to somebody like David who will spend time and energy and share knowledge. I'm just keeping on. That's how you eventually do eight or nine Super Bowl ads, by just staying on top of it. Being consistent yep. and taking advantage of opportunities. Correct. And I think, I think what I get out of the message that is the biggest take is showing up you know you you mentioned earlier where you were like without the discipline you make the excuses of like i don't want to get off the couch yeah i don't want to go that's a lot of work i don't want to do this and and the funny part about that is that's a double-edged sword because one you're fighting your mind about being lazy yeah and then at the end it's like going to the gym you know you nobody wants to go to the gym we force ourselves to go to the gym. Some days we like it. Most days we don't. But what happens with your mind is your mind's like, don't go to the gym. You get hurt, and it's cold outside, and it's rain, and this, that, that. But at the end of the day, your mind says, you fucking idiot. You didn't go to the gym. You're so fat and lazy. Yep. <laughs> you, your mind plays that double game. But the takeaway that I'm getting on this is you showed up. Yes. And when it didn't pay, you still did the work. Yep. And when it didn't pay again, you still did the work. And when you had an opportunity, you took it. And when you had to make a decision, you executed. So that's extremely well said. And that's yeah. w- that's one of the expressions that people undermined a lot. Where it's it's as simple as show up, Correct. show up. I think I think it's in Will Smith's book. Will Smith talked about it in his book. You know, he was doing the rap career. He was doing great. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Comes to L.A. and I think he did like one TV appearance, and then he had nothing. Then he had a girlfriend. He was staying at the girlfriend's house. And then there was a point where she's like, hey, enough is... Oh, one of his friends died. So he was, like, bummed out. They, like, killed him in Philly. Yeah. And and then there was just a moment in his career where he was just... He just wanted to hold his girl and be in bed. And, and after a few months, she was like, stop. Yes. Stop. Go, you, you, you're friends with Arsenio Hall. Go over there. And he's like, what am I going to do there? He goes, just hang out. Yep. Hang out. Say hi. Shake hands. Just show yeah. up. He goes, but nothing's going to come out of that. And long story short, he met one person. Yep. They changed uh, contact information. He got a phone call four or five months later. Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Will Smith. And it was it was it was a girlfriend saying, "Get out there." Yes. And the thing is, is sometimes we don't have the girlfriend yes. or the parent or the father or the brother to say, "Hey, get off your ass." Yes. You know, and, and that's that's huge. Well, now that you say it... You can't um, just blame it on your good looks and your hair. No. <laughs> Which is a wig, so by the way. It's a what? A wig. No way. No. Oh, that's <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> There's no. no way. You're born with hair like that. The, the, you're 100% correct. Like, one of my favorite sayings is also, every day is a test of willingness. Right. And it's, like you say, it's about showing up. It's... That's why I also surround myself with, like, athletes. Because if you cycle at 6 in the morning, that means that's when the train goes. You don't arrive at 6 and then find a tap for your water. No. That happens the night before filling your bottles and stuff. You're there at half past 5, stretching it out, and, you know, there's discipline. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And that is something that, definitely is 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 part of a lifestyle and not just a new summer fad because i want a sexy body or whatever for the, the case yeah, for summer that's it yeah. and that discipline also that reminds me way back then when i was younger 
in our little town, my parents had, uh, we had a farm, but we also had a liquor store, what we call a bottle store. So if I wanted a new wakeboard, and a wakeboard is 800 rands, I could work and uh, make bags of ice or sell, help sell the alcohol in the liquor store during a Friday afternoon. Then I would do the kitchen at a friend of mine's uh, parents' restaurant at night, work there. And then on Saturday, I would work in the, a manufacturing plant for cow supplements as a forklift driver for my uncle. So that's 60 rands I could make in a weekend. But if I was at the halfway mark of 400 rands to the 800, my parents would give me the wakeboard. We would always meet halfway. Same right. with a pair of sneakers. Because you put in your effort and you went out of your way. And Correct. You so you that gets installed from a young age that yeah i don't want to say it's by the sweat of your brow kind of you have to swing a pick or an axe you know and right it but it's definitely i think a lot of people will tell you the 10 reasons why something doesn't happen i'm more like in if you live in expecting things to happen then you can definitely prounce on those opportunities and yes there's bad stories and then there's coincidental stories and whatever. But Hero stories. Correct, yeah. but staying consistent is the most important. You know, my journey is definitely not over. Like, I will keep on growing, keep on being the best that I can be in a lot of ways. I am also go through the ups and the downs, so I don't get me wrong. If I finish a project for one whole day, I basically just have to lie down and watch TV. Right. Just to recoup from being that bloodhound of information you know it's um, right just to call it detox from just that over stimulation of information yeah um two things come to mind one super bowl commercials I, I i had a roommate back in the days and and he was he he's you know he's a director and and is really good at his craft and one day i brought him a deal that uh, it was a project called The Real Thing. I got a little producer credit on that, which was awesome. But Mario Andretti, the race car racer, yep. he showed up in it, which was awesome. And this guy built this car, and it was a four, it was a Boss 494 motor. There was only like nine made for Mario Andretti. But when they installed it in the car, Mario Andretti couldn't get a lap because it was so powerful yes. that the Mustang was a unibody. It was one piece. It didn't have a ch separate chassis. So when he tried to go around the track, it would just, and then they just got rid of the motor. Long story short, I met a guy, he bought the motor and he, he built, he got a builder and this builder was building like this $600,000, you know, with this motor 494 badass thing. Yes. My point is the project paid okay for us back, you know, 14 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah. But he was hesitant and he was like, I don't want to do this. And I go, why not? He goes, cause I want to make movies. Mm. I go, like make movies, you know, this is just side money. It's just a little project yeah. because you don't understand if I work into this, there's a big chance that I'm going to get stuck making little commercials or little small docs. Right. And then I was like, ah, get out of here. Well, guess what? He got stuck, not stuck because he got, he gets paid very well, but now yeah, he yeah. does commercials for Lincoln and Ford and all that stuff. Yes. And he's very happy, but then it's like, well, what happened to the movie dream? So my question is, do you, is that a real thing? Will you be, not stuck, but is that going to be your main focus, commercials? Or do you still see yourself wanting to make a movie afterwards? That's a very interesting question. Um, of course, 
the answer is yes, just based on the level of creativity. Uh, of course, in, 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 in features and series, you get to create a world um, and be yeah more creative. I'm not... What I'm saying is commercials is such a specialized field because you're dealing with agency client. And of course... And it's so compact. Yes. Your, it's a specific... Days, yeah. It's a specific language. It's a specific... Um, for all the listeners, uh, it's, I can also say what my responsibilities are, for instance. It's, of course, we, we get a, a director's treatment, and that gets broken down. Based on whatever locations gets found, um, we try and keep the circus together, you know, the whole yeah. shooting crew. So you can't go shoot a half a day in Santa Monica and the other half in downtown or palm springs correct so sometimes you have to bring a location closer or alter something specific so once that's been established we would pull up a budget and that's man days that is what it will take to build transportation everything and that gets handed in and that is then your original pitch so if that gets given a green light then we can start on the actual project we of course later on the storyboard comes in but the the agency will send you, if we're doing a commercial for Coca-Cola, this is the brand packet. So you can't alter our typography or change the color of the red or have blue in the commercial because maybe subliminally people think it's Pepsi. Or So you've, you, you're very much stipulated, con- I'd like to say contractual-wise, but to the brand. Right. If you shoot a vehicle, you can't just shoot it from the front. They'll tell you the new headlights with the dimming function or the dashboard is the most important. So only a three-quarter can be shot. And we can't see it next to a, a guy that's got a punk because maybe people will think now we're only selling to a punk minority or whatever. So right. there's all these brand guidelines and things. But my main job is then also to build the sets. Um Bring the action vehicles, I oversee graphics, the manufacturing of it. If we short shoot at Warner Brothers back lot, for instance, and we've got all those buildings, everything needs to get repainted. All the window shop fronts need new um, Logos signage. Or decals or, yeah. So at the end of the day, I end up making a whole presentation, which is a visual art department, including illustrations of what the location or place will look like after it's been altered or modified. And that visual representation that is like 60 pages long then mimics your budget. So if we are requesting $500,000 for art department, they need to kind of see what it gets them visually. Right. You have to create value for it. Correct. And that is my biggest responsibility in the union commercial world. And the moment you flick to series or movies, it's more just about the construction side, but creating worlds. I don't want to say all I do is plug fireplaces and build doctor's offices, but it's very brand specific. And of course, I would like to be part of something big again. In South Africa, I could switch between the two, and there's only a couple of people who had their aesthetics of working in commercials because right. this week you'll work with the Swedes, two weeks later you'll work with the Americans, then with the Germans. So 
you had to stay very focused and then wintertime series of movies and it's it's freer it's more creative it is it's just as hardcore but the obvious question would be it would be amazing imagine me catching my jaw here being exposed to the scale that we do commercials now i would love to be part of huge like you know going to atlanta for six months a year and see <laughs> <laughs> Imagine they offer you your next big movie, your dream come true, and they're all South Africa. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> so no. I've, 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 I've jokingly in the past said, <laughs> please let me go there so I can help whip people into shape. And that I know that's a very arrogant statement, but right. let's just alleviate the bullshit. Right. Let's just manage expectations. Yeah. And having an insider's guy, <laughs> <laughs> I would be a. Uh, I could become that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, what definitely. I'm saying. But yeah, features, that would be amazing. Yeah. I, I think that's it's a natural a, progression, or that will always be the longing. And it seems like it's a. It's, 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 it seems like it's even busier now than ever with all these, you know, Netflix productions, Apple productions, Amazon productions, Universal, Correct. MGM, blah. I mean, it, it's. I, I had a good friend of mine, he's an actor, Michael Beach, and yeah. he was on the podcast maybe like six, seven episodes ago. I listened to that one. That was a really good, insightful yeah. one. Yeah, he, he's he's awesome. And, uh, you know, w we talked about it on there where we talked about he thought he was getting to an age because he's been acting 40 years or something. He's like, Ace. when he turned 57 at the time, he was like, I think there's not going to be any work for me. <laughs> you yes. know, like that was a real concern. Because at one point in Hollywood, there was a point where you reach and it's like, all right, see you later. Yeah. But now there's just so much. Yes. You know, there's so much that, it, that, it's, that it's not far at all. No. And way back then when I was part of series, it was seen as a, a B-rated thing. Right. Where now it is full on productions. You cannot distinguish between a feature film and an episode of a series. Of course, we consume it at a way faster pace and rate. Right. But it is, there's a lot of work. There definitely is a lot of work. Also, if you're in, I never thought, so I'm, I'm like interrupting myself, that I would go from <laughs> third world facilitator to living in Los Angeles and being at this scale and size and be able in to four years and be able to think about the next thing and the next thing because it feels kind of limitless right i i've i've worked with people where you look at their imd pro, imdb profile and then there was a they were a pa and then a shopper for something and then a decorator for three and then they production designing the biggest movies and then when working with them, I always ask the questions like, how did it happen? Like, it, it doesn't seem normal. And it is just that true grit, speaking to the right people, educating yourself, and, and, and just taking showing it up. on. Showing up. There you go. Showing up. Yep. I, I, got, a, I got a random question. I don't, I don't know. I got two random questions mm. um my first one 
I've met many people. I, I've always lived in LA. Yeah. But I've met many people from different lives. If you listen to this podcast, obviously you'll hear that. Yeah. But that story of an outsider coming into the country and what they accomplish in five years or 10 years is so amazing. And then when you look at the, I don't want to say the average American or the typical American, but a big population of the American are just so caught up on a job. Yes. And, you know, I, there was a, I, I've said the statistic many times, but there's a statistic that, or there was a study that Americans in their dying bed, they interviewed them and they said, uh, you know, what, what's the top 10 things you regret in life? You know, and this is people that are 78 years old in their deathbeds. And the two that stuck out was like the top three for me. And it was, uh, I didn't tell the person I love, I love them enough. Yeah. And I didn't quit my job on time. Oof. I wish I would have quit my job. Yes. You know, so my point is, you have so many people that come here yes. from South, uh, you know, from South Africa, from Europe, from Australia, from India, from China, from everywhere. They come. Definitely a melting pot of and, nationalities. It's, it's humongous melting pot. Yeah. But the amount of success, like, I, I, I don't know if there's a study versus people that come in and how successful they make it versus people that are here. But personally in L.A., it's pretty fucking high. What, what is that drive? What do you think that is? Oh, you see, now you're touching on something that's like... Sensitive. I, I, I think it is unique, of course, to every single person. but Right, maybe I can't even generalize. No, it. no, no. But what it is, is growing up in South Africa in the apartheid era, I never knew that the position that I was in is probably the most Best position for anybody on the face of the planet. Prestigious, yeah. Correct, because I was literally born white and I had all the privileges. Then if you look at our black community, which had none, in actual fact, everybody was sent to the army for two years for one reason and one reason only, is to protect the borders and to be used as the muscle on behalf of the government. So if that's not dictatorship, I don't know. But, I mean, there's some horrific stories. All my friends' parents who went to the army, they're all alcoholics just because of what was requested of them. And that kind of vibe. Correct. And the abuse. Exactly. So touching on that, you kind of see what the alternative in life is. If you don't apply yourself, it's literally starving to death. That's it. So... For me, coming here, let me rephrase. Sometimes people say, oh, I'll take, let's go back to South Africa and stuff. And I say, you won't be able to deal with the human suffering. That's it. Like, I can take you to all the five-star hotels and the national parks and all that kind of bullshit and to my friends' houses and ski on the river. But the level of human suffering that there is is too much to physically comprehend. We've got like 60 million black people, 3 million white. And wherever we go, you'll see white pretty much. All the black people are either in the garden or living in a township. There's a couple who's now risen up and goes to clubs and pubs and bars and drive cars and whatever. But that's one generation. Right. So If you look historically. Yes. So for me, I never, ever, ever... Sure, that sounds bad when you say it three times. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, hold on. I think I did one. Never, Ooh. ever, ever, ever <laughs> <Whoa>. say it. <laughs> never, never, never. 
No, let's lighten it up. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. That sounds like my alarm in the morning. That's, that's, a, that's what you wake up to? That no, would put that's me, that would put of, me to it? sleep. No, no, no. That's, that's a, like, please wake up, but it's what's okay. What's the purple sleeping. button? South oh, they Africa. I've never been to South Africa yet. <laughs> this one, I forget what this one. Okay. Huh? Ah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. So never, ever, ever. Yeah. Eat Diet Coke. Would I want to go live there again? Yeah. And I can break it down into 10 reasons, but most of them are personal to me. Right. And I think one of the biggest reasons is there's no rockets to the moon flying from over there. There's no this growth that right. we are referring to there. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying it's in a lesser amount. So grabbing onto the opportunity could be either fear-driven or driven by you want more. And more isn't just the Jeep that I drive and a Harley that I have and all these discussion points. It is, ah, I can dream about working on Thor. And guess what? I can pick up my phone and phone somebody and most possibly, hopefully, be part of something like that. But if take you take a picture with Chris Hemsworth hey, and put it on your Tinder account, that's and be like, <laughs> yeah. But if you're so far removed and so on the other side of the world and stuck with so much political problems and just humanitarian problems, you are just treading water. Right. And that is what I don't ever want to be. Treading water meaning just surviving. Literally. I love to flourish. I love to travel. I love to see things. I love to meet people, which is also a big, con uh, like it's part of my personality and stuff. But I just can't see myself being in that mindset of, oh, this isn't going and that's not going oh, there's no electricity for two days, and da, 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 da. Those are all reasons for stuff not to happen. Yeah. And I don't like stacking up reasons for stuff not to happen. And that's easier said now that I'm so far removed. I still have my mom there. I still have friends there. I'm not negative towards the country. I'm just saying where I don't want to be because right. I've been able to establish myself uh, in where I want to be. You have a vision. Correct. You have a vision, you have direction, you have, a, you have a compass. And Robert, the people that I meet and interact with are all aligned with that. But having said that, yes, there's a lot of Americans who unfortunately, and that's possibly a political thing where there's unemployment, and what's the one if your back is sore and you stay out of work Disability. for six months? and. Like there's and then all if you're these pregnant and then like safety. I've had people saying now they can't work next week because then they lose their unemployment. I'm like, so you want to limit your growth to what the government gives you for free? Yeah. Am I missing something? And it's because I come from a background where you get given nothing. You get given two choices: either give it full horns moving forward or die. Literally, that's your two options. We don't have. 20 credit cards. Oh. Die. Die. <laughs> or die. Yeah. What's that one? Oh, it's a louder version. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, and if I say and die, it's just because you see that so much. That's, that's so, the thing. So, so I'll take on every single opportunity that comes my way here. Yeah. I, 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 I do. You see, that's awesome. Because yeah. I, I, I've wanted to bring up this conversation to people, but I don't know how to approach it. I don't. Yes. And you just said it. You know, yes. and, and what what I believe that people don't understand mm. when you have enough benefits, that enough benefits will keep you from being productive. It's almost a curse. Correct. It's almost a curse because there's there's a comfort and it's not even comfort. Yeah, It's not even comfort. It's just literally like, hey, here's food, money and, and a roof. Yes. And, and that's enough where people are like, you know, because I know people that are in Section 8. I know people that, you know, which is a government incentive for, yep. for rents and stuff. Yep. I know people that get the food stamps and all that stuff. And great, whoever needs it, needs it. Yes. But I know people that don't want to get out of it. And they, they say that. I can't Correct. I can't work. Because I know if I work. guys who never marry their girl that they're with because they get all the benefits for the they child and grandma's toenails gets clipped and now oh, there's another, I don't know, how many thousand a month for caring coming their way. And there's yeah. definitely a way of riding the system but why would you want to focus on riding the system for financial gain when you can use all these tools to your advantage but, but, but in i life? think i think there's also like a, go a government incentive where the government's encouraging this you know there, there's yeah. a lot of that you know oh there's a family problem let us know we'll send the police yes. we'll oh your, your husband's in jail now it's okay we'll give you some support Oh, okay. Move into this area with everybody else, and yes. th there's, there is a, there there is something there. Yes, there is something there. But not all people and are just out to 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 ride that train. Right. No, I must no, say no, 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 the, no, no, no. The, the That's not the question. The question originally is, why 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 do so many successful? Why do so many people that come here become so successful? Yeah. They, but, you, but you just said it. Yeah, it it's not. It's. It's easy for me to look at you and be like, bro, four years? Are you? Dude, that's amazing. Woo! Was that magic? How did yeah. you do that? Yeah. But then you look at the way you were raised and what you had access to and the options and then racism or no racism, yes. uh, minorities, uh, you know, abuse, not abuse, uh, medical, no medical. Maybe like nobody knows the back story, yeah. you know, and, and that's that's another eye opener that. You know, I never got into the details because I, I, I've done it myself where I'm mm. like, right, so-and-so just came from Armenia. You know, I, mm. I have a lot of Armenian friends. And within six months, they already have a business, a brand new car, okay. a new place. And you're just like, what? How now? Like, how? Yeah. Like, <laughs> how did you do that? Yeah. But, but we don't know their background. Yeah. They always had that drive. They could now just completely live it out. And, of course, there's more feet here as well. So your clientele is more... Um, there's a lot of their friends and family that's very established, so they fall in with it and they just flourish. Right. And that's that's how the what's it called fresh off the boat mentality kind of kind yeah. of is, yeah. And usually those people are obviously know what they don't want, mm. and they know what they do want. They're they're more driven. Correct. I got a random two two more random questions. Yes. Um, you, you know Mr. Beast, right? The YouTuber, the kin? No. This guy does like million dollar sets for a YouTube video. Just for a YouTube video. He's wow. the most YouTube kid in the 
He's not even a kid anymore. He's probably like 27 now. And it's called Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast. If I've got some homework. Oh, please watch him. <laughs> this guy This guy did, one of his biggest productions was he redid the set of Squid Games. Okay. And he got like a thousand people to participate in a real life Squid Game thing. Wow. And it was, I mean, millions and millions and millions. Everything yeah. he produces. And then interesting, I like another thing that he did. Um what he did was is he has all this content and they all blow up. I'm talking about 500 million, 600 million, huge. Yes. He's like, how can I maximize this? So you know what he did? He hired voice actors from different countries to redo the video for that country. So he would get the Spider-Man voiceover yes. for Chinese. Yes. And then he applied it to that. And now his same video, he just duplicated it and got China. And then he wow. got the Spider-Man or Superman for the Spanish community with the yes. same video. So yes. I, I, look, this is why they call him Mr. Beast. The guy, I like the guy's it. The, best. Yeah. the reason I'm bringing him up is because recently uh, he went to Africa. Yep. And I think he did, I want to say, 100 water wells. He installed 100 oh, water wow. wells in different yeah. parts. In different villages and different in villages. Places. And he paid for yep. it. And then he built a couple bridges. And, yep. you know, like he's doing great stuff. And there was a foundation that was kind of offended and said, hey, how come the white Mr. Beast comes yes, here and does this and he gets all this attention and we get no attention? Yes. And I, I wanted to see what, what, what your thought of that would be because it was kind of like, well, because he installed 100 whales, you know, yes. and brought I water think, um, to thirsty people that die from thirst. I think uh, NGOs has got a lot of backing, but they also stretch it out into oblivion. You know, right. and sometimes they have a little bit of a, 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 a separate reason for being there, where somebody like Mr. Beast comes in and he just bloody does it. Yeah. So maybe that is, is part of it. But now that you say a couple of wells and, and bridges, it just shows you the basics of what people need and... and need that there is yeah like even a flushing toilet that is something that i think 30 million people back in south africa just doesn't have access to and yeah we are smallest little pp flush you know so yeah no good for mr beast yeah yeah. (laughs) you'll be very impressed by him i like that mindset that's that's important because that's the basics that people need that's the basics and then my last uh, question hmm. uh, for this podcast, uh, I don't know if you want to get into it, but I want to get your opinion on it. Mm. I want to talk about a major failure. A major failure? major commercial <laughs> failure. Oh, hit me. What, what is that? Budweiser. So, What are your thoughts on Budweiser? And the reason that I thought about this is because this is the first time I have a conversation about the entertainment industry. Yes. And it made me realize how much you do have to be a therapist and psychiatrist and how you have to understand what each thing represents and yep. how it's going to affect the people that view it. Yeah. Is it going to make them happy? Is it going to make them angry? They, you, you, a commercial is almost like you have to get a response. Yes. And it's, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, yep. I love it, I hate it, you know, whatever. What is your opinion of the Budweiser commercial, if you want to talk about it comfortably? So Because it's one of the biggest commercial failures ever, I think. So you'll have to give me more context. What do you mean by the Budweiser? The one, the, 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 tra- the, tra- the transgender community, what they did? You didn't see that? Oh, 
No, is that the one where no one now buys the beer? Yeah. Not even at Sturgis or nobody. I never. <laughs> you never heard the full story? No, I never heard the full story, but I, I, I got the general gist of it. I know that uh, Kid Rock shot up a couple of beers and then steamrolled them and then <laughs> that kind of happened. Right. But I never saw the original uh, commercial that set it off. Like, oh, we're not supporting this. Well, that was like yeah. the. Oh. oh, they're just explaining it. So this was the transgender, and they put her image. They put her face on it. Okay. They and there, that's set up. Yes. There you go. It, it's like right now, What you, I, I think Elon Musk said it. Elon Musk said it. I just forgot what was the context. But it's like the guy that's running Disney. Oh, yes. Okay. You're, actually, it's David Pat. It's, it's Pat David or something that said it. He goes, you're, you're messing with the people. You're, 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 you're choosing an enemy, in a sense, when you start going to a certain community. Mm. And that enemy is the parents of the kid. The parents of the kid is the one that turns on the TV, right. is the one that buys the Disneyland tickets, yep. is the one that drives them, parks, and all that stuff. Yes. And when you're going to start having, you know, transgender in a theme park, dr encouraging girls to dress up like boys and boys right. like princesses, yes. now you're starting a war with the parents, and the parents are going to say, no way. Yep. And now if you look at Disney's major loss, Disney's, mm. I mean, billions of dollars yes. they've lost. So it, it, I'm not saying to choose or not choose, but yes. to try to force an agenda on other people. It seems like it's bad. Yes. I would. In, what would I want from your opinion? In a commercial research, how do you avoid incidents like that on on other projects? Oh. And again, this is something. No. I might what what keep, what what happens is way back then when mobile phones came out. A lot of the commercial was how it flips open, which button to push, mom phoning, voice recognition. Then it went to lifestyle, you know, kids in a convertible on their way to Palm Springs for the desert and doing little videos. It wasn't about the actual phone anymore. So there's like these transitions. But they should have seen, because by the time we get it, all that research must have been done because it's not oh, that they have a team oh of course yeah it's not the That's first not and fault. only one that the the agency pitched to the client right so it's as if it was given a green light with the haha like this will be good for us and then when it folds back i presume that agency don't longer mm -hmm. represents einer push on the next campaign you know? right so, so 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 basically you're you're an executor. I'm an executor. You're, you're definitely. Not, you're not. You're not doing the script writing. You're not passing it through legal teams. No. You're doing the thing. You are the. You are. That's it. We are the. <laughs> the executor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We are on the production side, and unfortunately, some stuff can blow up. Of course. Uh, one that didn't blow up. There was quite a good one. Was uh, Capital One with John Travolta as Father Christmas. Right. That w w has now been a huge success. And let's say it wasn't a huge success. I still got paid. Right. If that makes sense. But, yeah, it's not course. that I'm distinguishing myself. I only take on the, wow, the accolades or whatever. Um, 
but the chances of it, especially with today and the social media and the cancel culture and just things like Elon bought Twitter, you know what I mean? So he's X. He's the biggest platform in the world. So gone are the days of owning the newspapers back in the days of smoking cigarettes and having endless whiskeys in the New York Times, like New York Times and stuff. Now it's one big global thing. You, so mean, you mean LA Times? Where yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, where am I now? West Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just so much power in, in what goes and what doesn't go. And, and, nobody, and then there's a point that nobody really, really knows what's going to trigger or not trigger. Exactly. That's why I never want to become famous or rich. Because they're going to start like, oh, but he said this, he said that. And you're like, but that was taken out of context 20 years ago. So now I lose my house and my everything based on that. And that is unfortunately a, a very harsh reality of what's happening today. Like, there's definitely envelopes that shouldn't be pushed as far. Nobody likes a bearded Cinderella. Or I don't. Let right. me rather rephrase it to that. And it would freak me out if I had kids and had gone to Disneyland as well. I would immediately just not go anymore. Right. Just based yeah. on a very basic principle. Right. So, and even that is unique to your how you were grown up, your belief system, your tolerance your to bullshit. Your belief, belief. So many things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that one failed for them and they took a big knock, sorry to you. I don't know. Yeah. It's, but that is... The power of advertising. That's how strong it is. Like, it's insane. Like, how many people actually follow through and take and how, visual how many cues. Watch it? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And then one more. I got to get in there. What's your favorite commercial? What, 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 like, growing up till now, what's a commercial that you're like, that was just so good? Wow. That's an interesting one. We used to have a commercial for Pantene back in South Africa where this cowboy um, stops by the water and his horse is busy drinking and then he takes his cowboy hat off and it's just this like, you know, like he's been riding for days and then That's he dips his hair <laughs> in with the perfect Pantene bottle and he does it and then out comes this Indian on his thing. And he's like checking him <laughs> like, what the hell? This is a good time to pounce on him or slit his throat or whatever. And you think it's going to happen. And then, nope, they share a Pantene bottle. Because now it's like a little bit broke back mountain <laughs> <No>. kind of. <laughs> That's a pretty good, a pretty good but, commercial. Yeah. Then there's like, that was a very good one growing <laughs> up. And one of the art directors that I used to work with right in my beginning, she actually did it. And really? I was like, what? <laughs> like, now it becomes tangible, this whole commercial industry. Like, right. wow, who would have thought I would ever be in the presence of? But marketing-wise, there's the classic old uh, Pepsi machine and in three quarters and then putting yeah, the, the two Pepsi cans on top of each other so that the kid can stand and on the them together. That's extremely clever. Yeah. If it was up to me, I would take the whole Harry Potter, or what, which is the one with the eye of Endor at the top. It's a Harry to Potter, what's the other Maybe, one? Maybe, I'm not sure. Uh, the Hobbit. The Hobbit. I would have taken that three episodes and right at the end, taken that ring, well, Coca-Cola machine. 
you know, put it in there. That would have been the longest commercial in the world, but I bet you Coca-Cola would have saw, like flourished if there was a Coca-Cola Absolutely. machine at the top Absolutely. of the thing. So, yeah. Or, I the don't old, know. or the old classic Budweiser's with the frogs. Bud, wise? But I haven't seen those? those. So they had a, <laughs> so they, they always had these three frogs and, okay. and they didn't multiple these commercials and, uh, yes. you know, it'd be like a, you know, a swamp or something. Yes. And then one, one, <laughs> one frog would be like wise and the other one would be bud and then the other one would be er like bud wise er <laughs> and then they would oh, tune in they would tune yes. in yes but one there was two male frogs and then a female frog comes in so one's like bud and then the girl's like wise and then bud wise and then they see the girl and then he goes bud and the girl goes wise and he goes so yeah, dumb. you can't think that they can stretch that out into yeah. version seven yeah. eventually. Oh, they were exactly. There was like oh, so many speech. Of yeah, yeah, but those were fun. <laughs> uh, Ivan, until next time. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate Robert, you coming. Thank you for the opportunity. I mean, it was an hour and thirty-five minutes. Is that a record? Uh, no, I've had no, I, I, three hours. Oh, le- well, drinking. let's push all your buttons <laughs> then. Till <laughs> of drinking, of drinking. Oh, the one that didn't make it. Yeah, no, 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 no. That, that one made it. That one, uh, that one. There was, uh, I think, there was marijuana on the table. Oh, drink. It was very legal. Yeah, very California. guns. Oh, my you know. God. Yeah. Actually, the episode I'm publishing. Actually, the episode I just published. My, this was all covered in guns. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Was there some serious gun and knife collectors? And yeah. it's amazing how. Like, I've kind of upped my EDC in the last, like, six <laughs> In America. <laughs> it comes with your kit when you fly in. You got to choose 20 of these <laughs> for your pocket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I've, I've, like, I've got the ultimate fidgety toy just in this pocket. You know, it's like, yeah. And, and, really and, and you picked up the Jeep? Oh, yes. Yeah, you got a Jeep? I, I, I heard you I, say that earlier. I, I, a friend of mine borrowed America, it. America, like, <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> a friend of mine borrowed it like three weeks ago. Uh, where was I? I think in Mexico. But in any case, he sends me a photo saying, my Jeep's phone mount is like this American brand with the American flag on it with a bullet. Yeah. And it's my radio is set on country. And he goes, fuck, man. <laughs> You're more American than most Americans. <laughs> And I just thumbs up emoji. No, back, you you're know? supposed to say yeehaw, motherfucker. <laughs> Yippee kaye, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you should have done. But yeah, no, when it comes to collecting, oh, people here collect a lot of stuff. I've got one friend, also Armenian dude, he collects guns. And it's like. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's huge. Yeah. It's like the stuff we shoot at the range in Burbank is more like, ha, 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 here's my. I don't know, Smith & Western. Bazooka. <laughs> but then he's got like, the one with the scope and the silencer that you see on sniper movies. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. goes out to a range of that, and you're like, oh, okay. What, what are you uh, doing? Yeah. Are we yeah, filming? Yeah. No, and it's another grip, and it's another this, and that. Maybe I should look at the one when everything was packed out. Yeah, and they, they'll refer to, I've got more at home. Yeah. Now I can imagine. I, I don't know why, but what comes to mind is... Um, is Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger and oh, yes. Sylvester Stallone? They're they're battling yes. when they were making movies together. When oh. they were making movies, yeah, there was a moment where they were kind of like enemies. Okay, and it was like you know Sylvester Stallone did Rambo, and then oh, big knife. yeah, big knife, 
And then Arnold was like, all right, commander. And then Sylvester did part two and he had a bigger gun. And then, you know, Arnold was like, I got to get a bigger gun. Who came out with the double? He started coming out with the helicopter. He would detach the... The the Gatling gun. (laughs) Because they were just competing. Bigger, bigger, more, more. Yeah. And that's what it is. You start getting your EDC and then you're like, wait a minute, I need to add... Yeah, then all of a sudden, and then it becomes customized. I still haven't changed the exhaust on my. Uh, oh, uh, that's a. Oh, <laughs> I know Stock my one friend. He also <laughs> looked at it the other day, and he said, "You know what? This bike is still very stock." And then I go, <laughs> "I just, I don't even have a comeback," you know. And yeah. he's like, "It's not just the sound, bro. It is also when you like, because I stay at the bottom of Angel's Crest, so." I call myself a canyon carver. Yeah. But I'm not really as hardcore, but I scrape, you know, both right. sides. But he's like, you can only like get into that gear. out. I'm like, but I've never really needed it. But so I don't know if I want to stay in the club, I assume I need the get a little bit more. or the, I don't know, whatever brand. Uh, horsepower like. ink. I, I would recommend horsepower ink. For that motor. Yeah. It's, a, it's, 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 a, it's what I have on mine. Uh, I got. Oh, I have a. Where's my twenty percent discount code? <laughs> but they should give you a twenty percent discount. Yeah. Um, if they don't give you a discount, I know the guys in Ventura. They, ah. they, they 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 did a fair deal. It's the best sounding pipe in this sense. If you want it loud, it's loud. And if you're pulling into your home and you're getting close, yeah, it's quiet. Not even. It's not even. It's just. It's just, uh, but it's like a. It, it sounds like a like a sports car. Wow. Yes. yes. But yes, once yes. you're off the throttle, like you can go in your neighborhood. Uh, and you're not being a piece of shit. Like oh yeah yeah like, yeah yeah. And it's so far. I've had the Vans and Hines. I had everything great. Exhausts, especially the slip-ons are affordable and everything else. But yeah, it's the more. It's the, sound. it's the more. It's the most horsepower uh, that okay. I've had from any other pipe that I've had. But and again, you, now there's did millions. Did you change of them. the crank on it as well to match it, or is it not at all stage two? I, no, no, I, I, I did the, I did, I did a stage one. I did a stage one. I did the full exhaust, not the tips. Okay. Yeah. And I did, and I got the two to one. Okay. So because I have the, you know, I have the double pipes. Yes. I didn't want all the extra weight, so I ripped all that off. Yeah. So, so have you got a dummy on the back now on the one side? No, I left no, it empty. Just left I'll, I'll it show up. you the bike when we finish. Nice. Yeah. We should have finished two minutes ago, yeah. here, man, so I can see your bike. No, no. Yeah, let's go. We should, we should have started with seeing the bike. <laughs> That's a wrap, Ivan. Thank, Thank you so you much, Thank you so brother. much for the opportunity. Anytime. And looking forward for the next one. Oh, definitely. Thanks, Robert.